Let's open our Bible, Psalm 23. How many of you love the 23rd Psalm? You know, I remember learning. This was the first Bible scripture I ever learned. My mom taught me this when I was a little little girl, and we used to say it at night um, together before our prayers and bedtime. And so I rem- this is this is a has special meaning to me because I've had it's one that's dear to my heart from my childhood. But I'm going to read it today out of the Amplified version. Um, just so you know, I teach out of a, what they call a parallel Bible. So I have the King James Version and the Amplified Version side by side. And so a lot of times I like to kind of skip between those two. But in Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. And the Amplified, it says, To feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. I'm going to read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. To feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. Now, I feel very strongly that this, if you just had one verse out of the Bible, that this one verse would be enough. You say, really? I'm like, really? Because here it tells you that the Lord is our source and that he is the one that we're supposed to follow. He's the leader, (laughs) right? And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of the sheep. And what are the sheep's job? The sheep's job is to follow the shepherd. (laughs) I mean, and be a sheep. But really, it's not that hard. Just follow the shepherd. Follow the shepherd. And if you follow the shepherd, what's the promise? You won't lack. (laughs) I mean, very, very simple. Follow the shepherd and you won't lack. See, when we get into trouble, is we're not following the shepherd. You know, in Isaiah, it says all the sheep have gone astray, each of them to their own way. Because what happened? We became rebellious sheep. And we followed our little sheep voice and thought we knew where the green pasture was or we knew where the, the stream, the quiet stream was. And guess what happens? We get lost. Because we aren't designed to take care of ourselves. We were never designed to be our own shepherd. <laughs> we have a, 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 a need we were created with, some, with, with a um, requirement to have a God. We, we were designed to be worshipers. We were created to worship God and to follow God and to depend on God. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, how many of you know it says that if you're going to get into the kingdom of God and, and flourish in the kingdom of God that you have to be like a little child? Well, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And do you know that her, she is supposed to follow me? Right? I get I pick out what clothes she wears. I mean she gets, you know, to sometimes help pick out. But the point is, you know, I put the clothes in the closet. Brian and I provide you know, he provide he's our the breadwinner. We you know, we go out and shop and we put those clothes in there. We get the food in the refrigerator, we we cook the meals. In this in our house we're the shepherds, right? Brian's the head shepherd and I'm the co shepherd, right? But we're the shepherds, and Lily's job is to follow us. Lily does not have she couldn't take care of herself. She couldn't get her own food. She couldn't go out and get her own clothes. She's, it, it, that, that, that's a silly thought. And God never created us to be self-sufficient. He never created us to be self-sufficient. But there's a key here because it says, The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me I shall not like. So what is the key here? Let's go over to John. Because in John, Jesus tells us... <laughs> 
in chapter 10 that he's the good shepherd. In verse number 10, okay, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And let's go down to verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And I am known of mine. And it says, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's a good shepherd, isn't it? <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll risk their life, lay down their life for the, for the sheep. Now let's skip to verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. But here's the point. My sheep hear my voice. If, we're gonna, if the Lord is our shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield us so that we don't lack, then we need to be able to hear his voice. Yeah. If he's going to lead us into green pastures, then we're going to have to be able to follow him. We're going to have to know where he's taking us, right? See, God has a good plan for every single one of our lives. Before the foundation of the world, he planned out a good plan for you. For you, a good plan, a plan for good, a plan, you know, let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 1. In Jeremiah chapter 1, this is an example here of Jeremiah And in verse number four, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I, this verse five, chapter one, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. So before Jeremiah was ever born, God decided what he was supposed to do, what he was supposed to be when he grew up. Amen? (laughs) He decided what you were supposed to be when you grew up. He decided what your, your purpose for being born was. You weren't born, and then he thought, oh, better think of something for this one to do. No, he thought of something for you to do before you were actually born. And then he equipped you and put gifts and talents, and he he made you specifically the way that you were supposed to be. That's why we can't look for, we can't go to anybody else for an opinion. That's why other people's opinions are irrelevant. Only God knows the reason that he made you. Now, other people might be able to discern it by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. They might be able to see, you know, a portion of that. But God is your maker. And he made you the way he made you for a specific reason. You are not an accident. You look the way you look for a specific reason. You may say, well, I don't like the way I look. Well, you know what God does. And that's who matters because you were made for him. You weren't made for you. And you weren't made for another person. You were made for God. And God designed you specifically a certain way for a certain purpose for a certain generation. You weren't born in, you know, the 1700s. You weren't born in the the Western days. Hallelujah. Amen. I just had a baby. Hallelujah. Amen. I wasn't born in the Western days. <laughs> you know, but we weren't born in, in, during the Civil War. We weren't born in the days of Caesar. We were born in this generation because what is inside of you is needed for now. It's for now. 
but there's only one way to get into your purpose. There's only one way to get into your promised land. God has a promised land for each one of us. Yeah. And the promised land is a place where um, we're living in the blessing of God. And the blessing of God comes really through you fulfilling what God has purposed in his heart for you to accomplish while you're in this earth. Let me give you the definition of success. Doing what God tells you to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing what God put you in this earth to accomplish. So you could have success in many realms, but if it isn't the plan that God had before he formed you in the womb, then someday when you stand before him, it's not going to be, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your plan. That's going to be what that that's that's going to be what the sheep decided to do, right. right? And the world needs what's inside of you. You think, well, I'm not that important. I don't really have anything to offer. Well, you know what? That's not what God says about you. Mm-hmm. If you weren't that important and He didn't have something for you to do, then there was no reason for you to be born. There is a reason. There is a reason for you to be alive. There's a reason, and there's a purpose. And your prosperity, your success, your satisfaction, all of that is found in that because it requires you to depend upon him to do that. And you have to understand that's his real motive. His real motive is intimacy with you. His real motive is that he wants you totally dependent upon him (laughs) And he wants to show you his goodness as you follow him. So he wants you connected to his voice. You know, I say that being able to hear the voice of God is the most important thing in the world. And it is. I mean, I'm not, the word of God is important. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's not important. But if you don't have the voice of God, the Holy Spirit behind the word of God, then it has no life. Mm, that's good. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. People that don't know God can read the Bible, and it's intellectual information. Mm-hmm. But the voice of God behind the Word is what brings it to life. It's called Rhema, it's a revealed Word. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, the Bible is chocked full of people that when they got the revealed Word of God and followed that instructions, they prospered. If you want to know what the problem is in your prosperity chain is that you aren't hearing the voice of God. It's very, very simple. If we can hear him and do what he asks us to do, how many of you know, if you hearken diligently to obey the voice, I mean, this is the, it's the same formula throughout the whole Bible. When you hear God and do what he says, you prosper. If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. Right? It's when we number one, have been taught that we can't hear the voice of God. I mean, first of all, most of us, you know, were taught to think that this was unusual. Mm. Hearing the voice of God would get you put in a mental institution. (laughs) In a lot of circles, God talked to me. He did what? God talks to you? Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, right? So that's what the world thinks. And then you've got the church, which primarily has, you know, dummied down and watered down and, 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 and taught us the wrong thing. You know, I didn't grow up learning to hear the voice of God. When I came 
to the knowledge that I could hear the voice of God and began to seek after this and, and really began to make it a priority in my life. It's the most important thing in my life now. Because it, it, it is in his, it, the Bible says we don't, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. I have to have the words out of the mouth of the Father to live. And I can't just have logos words on a page of the Bible. I need to have living word. I need to have an alive word. I need to have a word in due season. I need to have a right now word. I need to have a daily word. Father, give us this day our daily bread. What do you think he's talking about? Give me my daily instructions. Give me that word of life. Give me the word that will cause me to live today. I need it daily. I need a daily bread. Right? But now, since I started to make this a priority and the Lord brought people into my life, one of my mentors, a pastor in Chicago, he's been hearing the voice of God since he was a kid. He learned to journal and sit down and hear God as a child. He remembers going, you know, getting up in the morning and the Lord talking to him while he's getting dressed as a little child and saying, you know, Joe, there's a new boy at school today and I need you to be nice to him. I need you to take him under your wing. And as a little boy, he would go to school and take the new kid under his wing. And I mean, he tells stories about how this little boy had made friends because of what he did when he was a tiny little boy. How many of you know Samuel heard the voice of the Lord as a little child? And in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it says that we all will prophesy. How do you prophesy? God gives you the words and you say what he says. We all are supposed to be to hear the voice of God. The voice of the Lord came unto me saying. How many prophets in, that the, Old, in the Old Testament say that? The voice of the Lord came unto me saying, and then they would say it. Well, guess what? The voice of the Lord should come to us because he lives in us. He lives in us. The Spirit of the Lord lives in us. So we're going to go more into this in our main message today. But the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Let's go back to that amplified version again. You know, and, and I, I just, it's really, really, I mean, I cannot stress this, how important it is to make hearing the voice of God a priority in your life. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. So if you want to be fed, if you need guidance and protection, and you don't want to lack, <laughs> You know, I could go into a whole sermon just on what lack is. What's the opposite of lack? Abundant provision. Abundant supplies. Abundance. If you want to live in abundance, then we need to learn how to make the Lord our shepherd and how to follow him. That is in a nutshell, in a nutshell, what the life of a believer is all about. Amen? Well, let's uh, just jump right back into the word here. And we're going to go to, uh, going to stay in the psalm so today. We're going to go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Okay, Psalm 91, it says, He, verse 1, that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Again, I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, and I'm just going to put something in there. He that dwells in the presence of God. Okay, we can just say that. 
He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High in the presence of God shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. And I love this. Whose power no foe can withstand. But I like this part too. It says that we will remain stable and fixed. (laughs) Stability is something. Amen? That's something. Stability. Stability. You know, I had... You know, Jesus was stable, amen? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't allow his emotions to control him. Amen? He was stable. He was consistently consistent. He was, he was stable in his yieldedness and submission to God. He didn't walk in and out of the will of God. He was stable. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was consistent. He was focused. And he was successful. Right? And how many of you know? Let's go back over to John 10. Because we're, we're kind of continuing along the same theme here of the Lord being our shepherd. But let's go over to John 10 for a second here. Because let's just talk about what it means to dwell in the presence of God. Dwell in the secret place. And abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In John 10, 10, I'm sorry, John 10, 30, he said, I and my Father are one. How I many know Jesus had this unbroken fellowship with the Father? He had a constant connection with the Father, a oneness with the Father. Right? You say, well, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Right? Well, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because I want to tell you, this is what we were created for. We were created to abide in the presence of God. We were created to dwell in the the temple of God. Because he made us his temple. We were created to be one with him. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17, it says, well, let's just, um, you know, let's just start in verse 14. It says, and God has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? That means you're one with Christ. My finger and I are one. You know what I'm saying? My finger is Shalice. This is Shalice. If you pinch my finger, I'm like, oh, don't pinch me. Right? That's me. That's me. Well, you're a member of Christ. So that's why when Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus came and said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? He wasn't persecuting Jesus personally. Jesus had already ascended to the right hand of the Father. But he was persecuting his church. And Jesus said, you're persecuting me. When you mess with my church, you're messing with me, right? Because why? My church is my body. It's me. We're one. I'm the head. They're the body. But we're one. 
It says, Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, he said, shall be one flesh. Now, this is intimacy, you guys. This is, a, I mean, what do you do with a harlot? What do you do with a harlot? I mean, no, we don't, please don't yell it out loud. <laughs> but it's an act of intimacy, right? And there's this, in, I mean, he is, he is using sexual language, intimate language to describe the relationship between us and the Lord. It says, know you not that he that is joined to a harlot is one body. For two, he said, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Is one spirit. See, we have, I mean, this is something, you know, I've been teaching. Um, this is a series that we've been ta- talking about called Kingdom Living. And Jesus, when he began his ministry, earthly ministry, in Mark chapter 15 and 16, it talks about how he came out saying, hey, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And we talked about the fact that that word repent is not an altar call. It doesn't mean come up here and feel bad for your sins. Okay, repent means to change the way you think. Change the way you think to a kingdom perspective. And one of the fallen perspectives that needs to be replaced, that we need to repent of, is this idea that we are separated from God and that we are down here living a fleshly human existence and God is way up here in heaven somewhere and we are trying to lower ourselves and come up to this place and bombard the gates of heaven and maybe he'll reach down in his mercy and touch us. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the gospel, and that is not the truth. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit came inside of your spirit and resurrected you from the dead. Your spirit is alive in him. You have been joined to him, and you are one with him. It's like taking water and Pepsi having two separate things and pouring the water in the Pepsi and now you have Pepsi water. (laughs) Right? The two things have now become one and they've mixed up, they're all mixed up together and now you can't tell the Pepsi from the water and the water from the Pepsi. The two have become one. That's what marriage is a picture of, two things becoming one. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a revelation of Jesus in the church. And in your spirit... You are a new creation. Now, granted, you know what? Your body didn't become new. Your mind didn't become new. Right? You didn't get a glorified body. But in your spirit, you are one with him. Now, that revelation will change your life. We are not working to please God. Okay? Because God relates to us based upon our born-again spirit. See, we are his child because of the condition of our spirit. See, Lily is my child regardless of how she behaves. 
her position as my child never changes. It is settled. It's a settled. It's a, it's a, it's a settled issue. It's a settled issue. And so this idea that we've got to get everything together and, and earn God's presence is wrong. It's God's presence, his indwelling presence in us and his dwelling presence on us that empowers us from the inside out. But we are not separate. We are one. Okay, now this idea, so when Jesus said the Father and I are one, guess what? You can say the same thing. The Father and I are one. We're not two, but we're one. Now, when you start to think about what this oneness means, it really starts to change everything, right? Because now you have a new identity. You're a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, the key is, is that I've got to begin to identify with that new man. Okay, I became a new man. Old things passed away. But for whatever reason, the old man is on my mind. The old man is controlling the way I think. All those programs and all those things that I learned before I became a new creature are still controlling me. So although I'm new, I'm acting old. All right? Although I'm brand new, I'm acting old. So that's why we have to renew our minds. Let's go over to Romans chapter 12. You know, we can't trust the way we think. The Bible over and over tells us, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, Jesus didn't have original thoughts. He had the mind of the Father. When the Father and he became one, guess whose mind he was was working with? (laughs) The mind of the Father. Okay, the mind of Jesus took a back seat to the mind of the Father. Isn't that something? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, so Paul's saying your body needs to be a living sacrifice. Means that you need to yield it to God so that he could live his life through you so that the new creature can actually have control of that body. So this spirit that is now one with the Lord can actually use your body. The spirit, your spirit that is one with the Lord, you're coming to God wants to use your body. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father, but he wants to use your body. You know, Lily and Brian and I have this little silly game we play at home. You know, Lily always tells us, be a robot, be a robot. You know, and so we do, I am a robot, you know, I am a robot. And that's kind of silly, but, you know, you know, how many of you ever seen like those remote-controlled robots, right, where something's controlling the robot. The robot doesn't have a mind of its own. It's been programmed to do what the owner of the robot wants it to do. You know? And so 
we are supposed to insert the mind of Christ into this earth suit and renew our mind, program our mind so that it thinks like our father so that our father can use our body to do his works. This is the Christian life. (laughs) I mean, you may not have known this is what you were signing up for, but this is the Christian life. I've been crucified with Christ. You signed up to die. It was an exchange. It was an exchange. Amen? But because God is good, oh, he's so good. I mean, heaven is an awesome place. I mean, heaven is an awesome place. He's good. So he's not going to make you do bad things. You know what I'm saying? So he's not like a, a, you know, the the evil kid. I mean, how many of you have had those, you know, usually it's boys. Sorry, parents of boys. But you know what I mean? They destroy their toys, right? So if they had a robot, they've got the robot walking off the cliff. Whoa! And that's fun, right? No, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's the thief when he's in control of your body that steals, kills, and, you know, he's out to destroy you. He's out to use your mind to cause you to jump off a cliff and laugh at it, right? But that's not our father. Our father wants to use our body to reflect his goodness. He wants to, I mean, he, he, you know, joy is the atmosphere of heaven. And his presence is the fullness of joy. When I make, my life a, when I make myself a living sacrifice, that means that I should be filled with joy. <laughs> okay, smile. Okay, that is the that is the countenance of God. Okay, he's smi- He's a smiling God, not an angry God. A smiling God. When He created the earth, it was a place that it was called Eden. It was called delight, the Garden of Delight. He said, "Man, this is good. This is good." When He made Adam, this is good. He delighted in us. The only thing that wasn't good was for Him to be alone. Right? He fixed that. See, God is in the business of fixing things that aren't good. That's what he does. If it's not good, his job is to make it good. That's the business. That's, when Jesus said, I'm about my father's business, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing what? He went about doing good. God's in the business of good. The devil's in the business of bad. And what we offer our bodies to, (laughs) see, we think we're in control, but we're not. There's only two minds, the mind of Christ and the mind of Satan, the mind of heaven and the mind of hell, light and dark, life and death. The kingdom is very, it's very black and white. It is not confusing. It, the, the kingdom, the gospel, is not confusing. The wisdom of this world, confusing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, confusing. Trying to judge things according to your own intellect, confusing. That's confusing. Confusion, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Right? Hmm. So he says, offer Present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transferred by changing the way you think. If you change the way you think, you'll change your life. If you change the way you think, you'll change your life. The Word of God says, if you, <laughs> let's go over to John chapter 8. I'm going to probably come back to that. But John chapter 8. Change the way you think, and you will change your life. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not set you free. It makes you free. And it says when you know the truth, not hear the truth, when you know the truth, when you grasp the truth, when you, when you assimilate the truth into the program of your mind, when you get the truth and you, it hits you and you finally get it, it'll make you free. You know my background, many of you. Bondage A to Z. You know, I tell the story when I finally surrendered my life to the Lord and literally offered my body as a living sacrifice. My testimony is, Romans 12 is literally my testimony. I had been born again when I was 10 years old, but I did not have a renewed mind. I did not sit under teaching that taught me who I was in Christ. I did not sit under teaching that taught me the authority of the believer I did not understand the, the power in the name of Jesus. I did not understand how to pray prayers that were filled with the word of God. I didn't understand the power of my tongue. I didn't understand um, any of the principles of the kingdom of God. And so therefore, even though I was born into a new kingdom, even though I was a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, believed Jesus was my savior, believed that he died for my sins, believed that he went down in the grave and rose again on the third day, believed that he was sitting at the right hand of the father, I lived experientially in hell. Even though I was legally a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I experienced my life was though I was still in the, under the power of darkness. In Colossians 1, it says we've been translated from the power of darkness. Right? So even though it didn't have a legal right, the darkness didn't have a legal right to be controlling me anymore, it was controlling me. And it was controlling me because of the way that I thought, and what I was allowing the world to program into my mind. I was being conformed to the world. The world was programming the way that I thought. And so therefore, I was in bondage. I ended up depressed, in therapy for many years, divorced. I was on antidepressants. I um, drank every day. I smoked cigarettes like a sailor, cussed like one too. Um, was very successful from, from an outside perspective in the world, you know, financially. Had lots of material possessions, but they owned me. I was complete bondage to the world system, complete bondage, complete bondage. So much in bondage, so full of debt, all of those things that even my mother got sick. I, I, I couldn't leave because I was in bondage to that job and into the mortgage and all this stuff. But the point is, I was in bondage. And I heard, I, my testimony is that I, I went actually to a Joyce Meyer conference. And I didn't know this woman was spirit-filled. I had read one of her books and thought it was a book that, about her childhood and how she was sexually abused and how she had kind of overcome that. And somehow, I just completely missed the part that this woman spoke in tongues. And I was in therapy. And I mean, I was just, I was, I've always been a reader. 
And I, um, at that time, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I think I could have probably become a psychologist. I'd read so much psychology and stuff. And anyway, I just went to hear her speak. And she started giving her testimony about how she was baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues and started teaching on Acts 1-8 and started, you know, teaching about what tongues is and what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. And you know what? I had never had teaching on that my entire Christian life. I had, matter of fact, the only thing I'd ever really had on that was um, really what my belief was going into that is I'd, I'd, I'd grown up, my grandmother had spoken tongues and I thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. And I believed that it was like a gift that maybe some people operated in, but it wasn't for everybody. And it, I sure didn't want it. You know what I mean? It wasn't a gift I was going to be seeking. And um, it was like the fringe weirdos. That's what I thought. I mean, I'm just saying that's what I thought. I mean, I thought all... TV evangelist, I thought everybody that was on TV, I don't think I have any Joyce was on TV, but I thought all those people were crooks. I grew up with Robert Tilton in Dallas. I thought all preachers wanted your money. I thought they were supposed to be poor. Um, Very, you know, but I mean, you know, I didn't know anything. The point is, (laughs) I heard this, and I remember her telling a story. She said, you know, a lot of people believe Jesus for the, to be their savior, but they've never made him Lord. And she said, actually, what the Christian life is, it's just like taking out a blank piece of paper and signing your name at the bottom and then giving that blank piece of paper to the Lord and saying, this is my life. You fill it in. You're the author. You're the potter. You fill out my paper. I'm signing up for it, but I'm not, this is, this is your, I'm yours, right? And that really touched me. And so I went home that night in all of my bondage. And remember, I was manic depressive. I was half, half crazy. And uh, I took off all my clothes. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know why I was doing it. It just had an urge, you know. But I got on the floor, and I laid down in the bedroom of that condo in Chicago, and I said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. My life is no longer my own. I made a mess of it anyway. You know, so I really, and I, <laughs> what I really said, too, is I have nothing to offer you. The only thing I really had was my body. That he needs. For his, for his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven, he's going to have to have some people's bodies <laughs> because the people with the bodies are the ones that have the dominion here in the earth. So what I was giving him was my body. But other than that, I didn't have anything else to offer him. And I said, so you just take it and make of it whatever you want to make it. I, I, I give up. <laughs> I give up control. I just give it up. And do you know that is when my life began? That is when my life began. The Word of God says it this way. It says those who lose their life find it. So you'll never find the purpose for which you were born. You'll never find the good life that Jesus died. I I, I came that they might have life. 
and have it more abundantly. You'll never find that abundant life. Now, you might have an abundance of material stuff. You might have money in your bank account. You might have a success from a worldly perspective. People may look at you and say, oh, that's a successful person. But if you want abundant life, what Jesus died to give you, what he came to accomplish in you, if you want abundant life, then you've got to lose yours. You can't drive at the same time Jesus drives. How many of you know two people can't drive a car? That is very dangerous, <laughs> right? Right? You know, even if you have somebody take the wheel for a minute while you're driving, that's not really safe. You know what I'm saying? The point is one driver per car. One driver per body. Right? And this, you know what? Nobody ever told me this. Like, you know, the salvation message was, you know, get saved from hell. Right? Nobody really talked to me about this abundant life thing where I die, give Jesus my body. We're one now, but he's using my body to do his will in the earth. Nobody, that, that nobody really explained to me that was Christianity. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, oh, well, this is, a whole different, this is a whole different deal. And I can tell you, I am having a blast being Jesus' robot. <laughs> I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast walking out the plan of God. Because let me tell you how, God, how cool God is. He calls you to do stuff that you think is absolutely impossible for you to do. You think, I could never do that. And he sits back on his throne and laughs and says, oh, yeah, you're exactly going to do that. Yeah, because I'm going to do it through you. Yeah, and I don't have any limitations. So your potential has now become what I'm able to do, and guess what? I can do anything. And that's why the Word of God says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, right? And guess what? He's got some exploits for you to do. He's got some kingdoms for you to conquer. He's got some cities for you to save. He's got some instruments for you to master. He's got some languages for you to speak. Right, Doug? I mean, he's got some things that you think, oh, Lord, how am I going to do this? He's got foreign countries for you to go and save. He's got, you know, industries that you're called to conquer. He's got beautiful, creative talents inside of you that he wants to bring forth art. He wants to bring forth drama. He wants to bring forth beautiful creations, flowery range. I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, he wants to bring heaven to earth through you. And you know what? There's no gift, no talent that's too small. Every gift, every talent that God has placed inside of you, let me tell you the purpose of it, to be an expression of his love. He wants to use you to express his love to people. In whatever way that you do it, if you're a good cook, let me tell you what, you can express love to people through that talent. Amen? You can give some love to me. Amen? <laughs> I mean, if you can sew, if you can, I mean, if you can work on cars, I mean, whatever it is, the Lord said, do it on, he says, do it under the Lord. And it, it's to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And whenever we get our focus off of our purpose, which is to love God and other people, we die. We die right on the vine. We die right on the vine. And the other way we die is we think, we, you know what, we have such a, we have the wrong opinion of ourselves. 
We have the wrong opinion of ourselves. You know, self-esteem is a worldly concept. Because self-esteem is your opinion of yourself. And guess what? Your opinion of yourself, I mean, that's like a dog chasing its tail. Amen? I mean, isn't that like a dog just chasing its tail? I mean, that dog doesn't know what it's doing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That dog's chasing its tail. Well, your opinion of yourself, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to value yourself. Only God, that's God's job. God's job. He is the only one that can give value to, a, to any human being. And here's the value he placed on it. He died for you. The blood of Jesus, okay? The blood of Jesus, the most rare, valuable, the blood of God himself. The blood of God himself is the price that he paid for intimacy with you. Talk about a dowry. Talk about a ransom that was paid. So who are you to devalue yourself? Who do you think lowly of yourself? Who are you, think, who are you to compare yourselves among yourselves? That's not wise. What's wise is to go to God and say, what do you think about me? You know what he thinks about you? He thinks good thoughts about you. Because he created you for good things. And he sees you finished. He sees the potential inside of you to do the same works that he did and greater works. He sees, the, he sees you finished. You are complete in him. He sees you as you are. Do you know that he already sees you in heaven worshiping him forever, performing your heavenly job, whatever that's going to be. He sees you in your white robe. He sees you as his bride, spotless, without wrinkle. He lives outside of time, and he is not concerned with your struggle today. He sees you past it. He sees you free. He sees you delivered. He sees you whole. He sees you healed. He does not see you the way that you see yourself. That's why your self-esteem is a joke. The way you see yourself is fallen, unless you are seeing yourself through the mind of Christ. Unless you have on the goggles of the Word of God. Unless your eyes have been enlightened to understand the hope of your calling. Otherwise, you're looking at it from a fallen perspective or you're allowing the opinions of men to be your source of Mm self-esteem. What other people think, you need to get over what your daddy called you. You need to get over what your mama called you. You need to get over what your ex-husband called you. You need to get over what your ex-wife called you. You need to get over what people have called you or not called you or what they think about you. Because guess what? They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Jeremiah had no clue. Jeremiah had no clue who he was until God told him. Right? And when God told him, you see, we have such a low opinion of ourselves. And I'm not saying we're supposed to be, you know what? Pride and arrogance is a opinion of yourself that is not rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ. Okay, um, my boast is in the Lord. My boast in what God has, is doing through me. I'm nothing without him. Without him, I can do nothing. But praise God, he's anointed my nothing. <laughs> All right? And he's using the foolish things to confound the wise. It's God's. It's God's getting the glory. Right? And in Jeremiah, when he came to him and said, you're a prophet... What did Jeremiah say? In verse 6, in chapter 1, he says, Lord God, behold, I can't speak. I'm a child. And God said, don't say you're a child. Don't, call, don't, don't, don't disagree with Don't argue with me. 
I've called you a prophet. You say you're a child. No, I said you're a prophet. And verse 7, he says, you're going to go to everywhere I send you, and whatsoever I command you, you'll speak. And he said, don't be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you. He said, don't look at the people. <laughs> Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Right? He told Moses. Remember, Moses argued with him. I mean, all throughout history. Gideon, right? Mighty man of valor. He's hiding under a tree. Right? I mean, God calls you what he created you to be. He doesn't call you what you, what you call yourself. Right? He never did. He never called me. Every time, he didn't call me manic depressive. He didn't call me that. He called me with, he said, you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. He didn't call me an addict. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. He called me free. The way I thought was the problem. What I called myself was the problem. So I needed to change the way I thought. I needed to change the image of myself. The word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The word of God says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to who you really are. Awake to your right standing with God. Awake to your oneness with God. Awake to the, to the, the truth. See, God has given you dignity. God has raised you up with honor. And you know what he does? He, takes the, he, he lifts us up out of the miry clay. He comes right down there in the middle of our mess and he puts a crown on our head. That's the God we serve. The God we serve puts robes on us. He's the prodigal son's father. He, he, he welcomes us back and he says, no, I'm going to address you like you really are. I don't care what you've been doing. That's not who you are. You are a child of the king. You are royal. You are, you, I, I think highly of you because I see you for who you really are. You're the one that's confused. You're confused about who you are. You're confused about what you can do, but I'm not. I'm not confused. I don't call you a failure. I don't call you diseased. I don't call you any of those things. I call you healed, hold, healthy, wealthy, wise, a blessing. I call you the way that I made you. And I recreated you in righteousness and true holiness. I recreated you a king's child. I recreated you to be one with me. And now there's a dream with your name on it. I have a dream with your name on it. I have I have a, a promised land for you to conquer. I have something I want you to do with those gifts. I want you to co-labor with me. I want us to walk together in the cool of the day and talk. And let's go make earth look like heaven together. Let's bring down giants. Let's conquer strongholds. Let's set the captives free. Let's go get some money and build some orphanages and build some schools and build some hospitals and bless people. Let's dream together. Let's think big. Let's take the limitations off your mind and let's, let's, let's dream what your life is supposed to be like. Let's visualize your future together. Let's, let's see you changing the world. Let's see you forming companies that change entire industries. Let's see, let's see you doing things that you never thought possible. But in order to do this, we're going to have to dwell in a secret place. And what do I mean by that? We're going to have to find that connection 
that place where we are one with God. And we are going to have to cultivate that thing because we've got to get the mind of Christ. We've got to get God's mind on what he thinks about us. We've got to allow him to speak to us. We've got to allow, we've got to allow him to, you know, let me just give you another little secret. And not that I've got it all figured out, but I'll tell you what, the Lord has taught me some things by his grace. And, you know, after I offered myself as a living sacrifice that one day and, and got up and said, okay, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. What do you want me to do, God? I had no more opinion about my future. I mean, I might have had an opinion, but he won out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might have had an opinion, and I might have argued for a second, but when I knew it was God, I obeyed. You know, when he told me to go to a church where I was a minority, and I didn't understand it, it was charismatic, and I, they were talking about prosperity and stuff that literally made my stomach turn, and I never wanted to go back again because I thought these people were off, frankly. And I went home and had a dream, and the fear of God came on me in the middle of the night. And he said, if you want to be set free, not only will you go to that church, but you'll do exactly what that man says. I mean, the fear of God came on me, and I knew it was God's will. It was like, you know, Paul being, not, not, being suffered not to go to Asia. I mean, God was saying, go here. And I had a choice. And so, you know what? I put my personal feelings aside, and I submitted to the plan of God, right. even though in my flesh I didn't like it. But I got over it pretty quick because when you submit, your feelings kind of follow, you know. Um, but then another thing he did with me that I, these are just some things that I've learned, you know, um, is that I, after I finished ministry school, the Lord led me to take a retreat once a month for an entire year to this ministry. It was called the Sanctuary. And... Um, it was like a kind of like a bed and breakfast, but a, for, for Christians <laughs> without the breakfast because <laughs> you fasted. <laughs> it was like a bed without the breakfast. And so you would, you would go and spend time with the Lord. And the, the, the woman who owned the house and had a church in that house, superwoman, in her 80s. I mean, this woman like slept three hours a night. She was just so anointed. She was married to God. I mean, just had an ongoing conversation with him. Just a beautiful woman, wise and ears and um, uh, Apostle Hewing was her name, and I mean, there was a, an amazing, oops, an amazing, really gifting on her for emotional healing. And in the house, I mean, I would go there for a week and a month, and the Lord just revealed so much to me while I was there in dreams. And um, but I, I was in in a group that she had. We were called the Trophies of Grace, <laughs> and once a month we came, and every month we would have a consecration that we were going through. And it would be a part of our body. So we would, one month we consecrated our mouth. I mean, I didn't even know what all this was, right? And one week, one month we consecrated our hands. And at the beginning of the month, we would write out, Father, I offer myself as a living sacrifice and I give you my mouth. Only to speak your words. Only to, you know, but you would write out a prayer of, of consecration, giving him your member, offering that member. And during that year the anointing that came on my life. It's probably the most, I mean, I've had other, other um, seasons when the Lord's anointing has been poured out on me into greater measures. But I'm just saying, the ability to feel his presence, mm-hmm. to tangibly feel his presence on my body came during that year. As I offered up my body as a living sacrifice, well, more of that anointing came on me. 
to where I remember when it first started happening, I kind of freaked out a little bit. I was like, my hands are on fire. My feet are on fire. I would go to doctor and I was like, is this of the devil? Because like, I just didn't know. I thought, well, is it, is it normal for your hands to, to tingle or something if you're in prayer? You know, I just, I was just, I didn't know. And I, I, again, I'm going back to that offering your body, offering your life, letting him live your, his life through you, relinquishing the reins, relinquishing control. It's a good plan. You've got to trust him. You know, you have to believe that it's a good plan. And guess what? Was it a good plan when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt? Did it seem like a good plan all those years in the wilderness sometimes? No. Sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes you're in seasons and huh, in places that, you know, you're not there yet, but you left and you're out here in the middle somewhere and you can't go back. Right? The Red Sea closed. So Egypt's not really an option. But you're not in the promised line yet. So you're like, where am I? Are you sure I'm following you right? Because guess what? We don't have the the luxury of a cloud and the luxury of a fire <laughs> that you get to get and follow a physical thing. We have to be led by the inner witness. We have to be connected to the voice of the Lord. We have to, you know, there's, we have to be led by our spirit because guess what? They couldn't be led by their spirit. <laughs> you know, and so sometimes you're out here in the middle somewhere and you think, oh, Lord, I'm out here now, right? Can't go back, don't know where to go forward. And it's, a, it's, it's trust, it's trust. It's trust. You know, and, you know, there's an, I don't mean to be pitching Joyce Meyer today, but there's another great book that, because what happened, I mean, I can tell you my whole testimony here, but um, God had me sit under her for a while because the woman has some wisdom. And she's a woman minister, so that probably didn't hurt either um, to glean some wisdom from that. But, um, you know, she had a book called Enjoying Where You Are on the Way to Where You're Going. <laughs> That's a good title, isn't it? Enjoying where you are on the way to where you're going, right? And um, that's a whole nother sermon. But the point is, really what I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to, to encourage you with today was to make following him and hearing from him and obeying him the number one priority. The number one priority. You know, if we take a step back for a moment, and if I could somehow draw a line across this sanctuary that represented time, and I could put the centuries across this timeline, right? And God is seated somewhere up here above time, right? And you could see when Martin Luther lived, and you could see when all of the great revivalists over time lived, and the different moves of the church, and the different things. And then you came down to 2009, and you saw, you know, your life right here. You are part of a corporate plan. You are part of an overall plan of God that he has for the ages. And your life is just short. We're like the grass. It's a short amount of time. We have to try to train ourselves to renew our minds, right, to an eternal perspective on this life, 
Paul likens this life to a race. It's a race. You're a runner. You're competing for a crown. You're running a race that was set before you, and guess what? You're going to stand before the judge. <laughs> and you're going to want him to say, good job, good race, good race, good race, right? These other things that we have to have to make ourselves happy, these other things that distract you, and, 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 I don't know, try to deceive you. Mark 4, it says, it's the distractions of the age and the deceitfulness of riches, right? It's these, it's, they're like tranquilizers that put you to sleep and mask reality, <laughs> right? It's just, it's, just, it's, a, it's just one big tranquilizer that's to, 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 to try to, it's an opiate. Right, just to just to, to to deceive you and put you to sleep. The fact that you've got a race to run, you have a race to run, and, it, and it's a it's a it's a good race filled with good things, and it's a joyful race because guess what? Christ is running it through you, and it's exciting. It's an you know I live an adventure. My life is really an adventure. I tell people, you know what? I moved seven times in seven years. I did, didn't we? But we had fun. I mean, it's an adventure. I mean, I understand kind of the thought. You know, you know, Paul was like, well, hey, I've learned to abase. I've learned to abound. You know, I mean, easy come, easy go. You know, it's just what, I mean, but it's an adventure. And you know what? Our, my joy, my personal joy, I get joy from people. I really get joy from people. I, I really like the people God has placed in my life. I mean, he has brought me some characters. Amen. They just are fun in their quirkiness and my quirkiness. And it's fun. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I have fun. You know what? It's a blessing to pray with people. It's a blessing to be used by the Lord. It's a blessing to, to, to be able to hear God, to, 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 to operate and to know the things that he's taught me. I'm blessed I'm blessed to know him. You know, I, I, not too long ago, I went to the International House of Prayer. And I mean, man, they have just a wonderful prophetic team. These kids are kids. They're teenagers. And they just teach them how to hear the voice of God. And you go in and, you know, I'd never really done this before. You, you know, they've got a little tape recorder. And they say, you know, well, this is what we feel like the Lord is saying. And man, they were right on when they began to pray for me. One of the things they said to me, and I mean, the Lord has brought this back to me. And again, they said, you know what, Shalice, you're a journey person. You're not a destination person. And you enjoy. You take time to smell the roses. You're, you're enjoying the process. And it's true. I, I mean, I, I really, I really, and, and the Lord's continue reminds me of that. And I enjoy the process. Enjoy this season. Enjoy this time. I mean, there are things to be thankful for, even in the midst of, in the midst of maybe everything's not perfect. Okay, you know what? I'm not living in the king's palace right now. I don't have my acres. I don't have my horses. I don't. You know, there's there's things that are in my heart, but it's but it's enjoying the journey because why? Jesus is with me on it, and he's really he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful, and I've made pursuing him my life's purpose knowing him Paul said hey 
I want to know you. Oh, and the power of your resurrection. <laughs> By the way, if you could teach me about that resurrection thing, that'd be great. But I want to know you, right? I want to know you. And you know what's so great about knowing him? Is he's, he, he just can't help himself but tell you how great you are. Do you know that Jesus is your biggest fan? Man, that is so not religious. <laughs> you know what? But when I, get, when I need an encouraging word, Jesus is who I need to hear from. Jesus thinks highly of us. We're his bride. You know? We were created for his pleasure. We bring him pleasure. Man, that's a radical thought. You think, well, man, I'm messed up. How do I bring him pleasure? You know what? He just likes you. He likes spending time with you. Hey, man, let me tell you. He chose to come and inhabit us in our brokenness, in our messed up states. He chose to make us his house and know our thoughts before we think them and our words before we speak them. Now, what kind of guy does that? That's an awesome guy, isn't it? So, I mean, hanging out with him, getting to know him. I mean, you know how you'd like to be around people that edify you? You know, I mean, this is like so wrong, kind of. But, you know, you like to be around people that tell you how great you are. You know what I mean? They, you just like to hear, you know, I think you're nice. I think you're pretty. I think you're handsome. I think you're smart. Whatever. You know, think about it. That's who you want to marry, somebody that tells you how great you are, right? I think you're great. I think you're handsome. I think, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of how God created us. He wants to hear it. He wants us to tell him how wonderful he is, how great he is, to praise him. Praise is a holy thing. And so guess what? He praises us back. I mean, he's not the God telling you what an idiot you are. He's not the God telling you you've done this 50 times and the 51st time you're going to do it wrong like you did the other 50. No, he's the one saying, you know what? If you would just think a little bit different, this thing would be in your rearview mirror. You know, come on up here and sit with me a while. Let me show you how to do it right. You didn't do it? Okay, let's try it one more time. You know, he's a coach. He's the greatest coach, the Holy Ghost, our helper. I don't know, but it doesn't help me if you're, you know, criticizing me. That doesn't help me. They say constructive criticism. I know that's a right thing, but I really don't like it. I don't know. You learn to, you know, you learn to submit to it, but you don't ever like, whoa, boy, constructive criticism. Right? (laughs) Right? No, you like it when, you know, you think on things that are lovely. and You know, I mean, I'm just saying, we have the wrong image of God. And so spending time and knowing him and correcting all of that becomes a joy. It becomes a joy when you can, I mean, when you walk with him in the cool of the day and, you know, he's got a great sense of humor and you go grocery shopping with him and you go get gas with him and you, and you change your flat tire with him and you shovel the driveway with him. And right. I mean, it, 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 that's living. That's living. You know what? I didn't start out there. But we're all supposed to be there. Now, I felt led that I was supposed to do something very practical today. And I got out my journal and brought I bring it with me all the time. But I, I got it up here today. Because, you know, Neil, you said something. You know, God only talks to me through music. You know what? God wants to talk to you in English, too. <laughs> he does. The sheep know his voice. Now, he might just start to give you words with those songs, Neil. I don't know. But the point is, 
is that we need to practice this. Okay, this is a, this is a skill. Hearing the voice of God is a skill. And if we are supposed to, you know, whatever he says, do it, right? You know, we wouldn't have the Bible if somebody didn't write down what God said. You know, we wouldn't have the Bible if somebody didn't write down what God said. Chronicles, right? They chronicled what the king, the king did. The king, you know, I told somebody one time, you know, if I went in to meet with, let me just say, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or, you know, the Queen of England, you think I'd go in there without a pad of paper? I would not go in there without a pad of paper. Because what they were going to say was important, and I wanted to remember it, right? So journaling, you know, David wrote psalms. He wrote his prayers, and we have a record of those prayers. We need to make writing a part of our prayer life. Writing needs to be a, a part of your communion with God. A daily time with God with a pad and a pen and your Bible some worship music, that's the ingredients for a secret place. Amen. Okay, that's an ingredient. Because, see, the goal is to develop this abiding thing where you're connected to it completely. But, you know, some of us have never heard the voice of God, and, and we don't know where to start. I mean, I was there. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying, hey, this is, this is a skill. This is a skill. Just like prayer is a skill. It is a skill. You know, the Lord said, desire that you, spiritual gifts, desire that you may prophesy. Prophecy is nothing more than hearing what God is saying. You know, prayer. I mean, prophetic prayer is just praying the will of God for someone. Praying from, the, praying from your heart, praying from the spirit so that you're praying according to the will of God. We've got to be able to hear the voice of our good shepherd. Jesus said we can. You got ears to hear. When you got born again, you got the equipment. Nobody in here was born again without ears to hear their father. Okay, there, were no, there are no deaf children of God. There is no deafness, right? But it, we do have to tune our ears and learn to hear. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is like steroids when it comes to this. Okay, it, it, it just it, 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 it gives you a tool to, to exercise your spirit. It gives your tongue and your, it gives it your, I could go into that, but I'm not. But the point is, there's a, there's, a, there's a power that comes from that that helps you hear the voice of God even clearer. But the point is, um, you open up your page. Here's how I do it. I put the date at the top. Father. Matter of fact, I did one here the other day. This is something God said to me, but I'll read it to you in a moment. But Father, whew, I saw that a lot. Whew. I really do. It's like exhale, right? Wow. Getting to sit with you for a few minutes. What a blessing, right? Thank you for this day, Lord. And then I start to remind myself, the word of God says in Philemon chapter 1 that our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge all the good things that are in Christ, are in us in Christ Jesus. So I just start to set my mind right. Whew, Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for making me the temple. Thank you for... Give me ears to hear your voice. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you for your, your grace and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. I just, start to, I just start talking to God and start thanking him and just talking, just reminding myself, kind of getting, you know, tuning myself up to, to what's right and what's true. And then after I've kind of done that, then I listen. I listen. You know, for the, when I first started doing this, the only thing God would ever say is, yes, you can hear me. 
Yep, this is me. Yes, you can hear me. No, you're not making it up. <laughs> right? I mean, it was like, because I was so afraid I was making it up. Right? So he just kept saying, no, you can hear me. No, you can hear me. But it sounded like me. It's a thought in my mind that's, you know. So it sounded like my thought. So I was like, you know, I was just, it was just kind of, I was not used to this. But I stuck with it. And then um, the first way I started hearing um, personally is after a time of praying in tongues, I would, I could, I would get a, like a word. That's how I first started hearing. But I know with Brian, um, we have a, a one again, a pastor that's on my board. Um, I remember he just sat down with Brian one day, and this was the one that I told you had been hearing God since he was a little boy, right? And just said, this is the way you do it. You just get in your journal and you write son, comma, and then shut up. Son, comma, and then let the Lord begin to fill in whatever he wants to say. And I'm telling you, Brian can hear clearer and probably is easy. And, and he just has a beautiful childlike just faith in this thing. I mean, any minute, any time, I can just say, if I just give him a paper and a pen, go, he can hear from God. And it's awesome. But I'm saying he didn't, it didn't take him 50 years. He wasn't, you know, the Bible scholar, you know, extraordinaire when he learned how to do it. He just very simply, very childlike came, son, comma. And started to hear the voice of God. You know, um, let me just, I'm going to read something. that I, This is from a journal from 2007. I was, and that's the thing I do. I'll go back and I'll read through my journals and they bless me. But it re- went into this message today and I, I just wanted to, to it wrap up with it. It says, Shalice, you must press into the secret place. You must press past the distractions and tasks and things that appear more pressing and press into my presence. I am all you need. Not another job, not another car, not another promotion. I'm all you need. I really died to give you me. I died to give you me. And bring you back to me. It's all about us spending a wonderful eternity together, starting now. Yes, I have work for you to do. But the work does not replace my presence. The work doesn't take priority over me. So many of my children are busy yet in bondage. Busyness disguises brokenness. It's like as long as you keep running, you'll be okay. But there is no rest for the weary when rest is only found in me. And they either don't know me or are too busy to spend quality time with me, just sitting and listening. Oh, the pressure to stay busy. The cares of this world choke the word out, like a vine choking the life out of a beautiful rose. If you spend time with me, you'll have all the strength, energy, and grace you need to do all that I've called you to accomplish. Now, see, I know that's God because I can't come up with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's way too good for me. You know what I mean? I, that just, I, that doesn't, I don't talk that, that, that good. <laughs> see? <laughs> I don't talk that well, but, the, but, but it's true. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what will happen. So don't judge it. Just get the pen to the paper and just whatever thought comes in your head, start to write it. Amen? Amen. And let the Lord speak to your heart. Amen. You know, it's like I, I see right now, just that there's a picture in the spirit. I just see the, it's like the Lord, um, I see just, it's almost like he's standing by people 
and he's got like a tape over his mouth. You know, like we've just shut him up, right? He's just silenced is what I think that is. You know, he's just been silenced. But I just want to pray for you, all right? And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you right now, Lord, and we just all right now in the spirit, and we just we just take that that tape off of Jesus's mouth. We take that 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 tape off in the name of Jesus, Father. And I just declare right now, Father, that we are your sheep, and we hear your voice. And Father, um, I thank you today. This is a great reminder to us. For some of us, it's maybe the first time some of us have heard it. Um, but Father, I just declare, Lord, that we're just raising our expectation level. We're going to raise our expectation, Father, to hear from you uh, clearly. Uh, We're going to expect it because, Father, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please you. And if you said we can hear you, then we're going to believe what you said. We're going to take you at your word. And, Father, we're going to um, not just be hearers of the word. You know, Father, I pray that people today wouldn't hear this message and do nothing with it. I pray that they would go out and get a journal. I pray that they would would designate a time or, 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 or just... Father, just do it. Just take an act of faith, sit down and do it, and expect to hear your voice. Father, I come against right now every hindrance in Jesus' name. I come against every spirit of deafness that would try to to, to, to drown out or, or, or filter or to uh, just hinder the voice of God and to, to make you mute. <laughs> you are not a mute God. You are a God that speaks, and you are a God that, that doesn't change, and so you're still speaking to your people. And so, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that as people come before you, Father, I just release right now, Father, the voice of God into their prayer time. And I just declare, Lord, that as they sit before you and ask you questions and and they come before you to hear your voice, Father, that you're going to speak clearly and they're going to hear it and write it down and it's going to be a blessing. Father, I pray right now for people that are at crossroads, that have decisions that need to be made. And, Father, I just speak right now, Father, revelation into their prayer time. I speak revelation onto those journal pages. Father, I just declare that they are, Father, there's a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And they know what they're supposed to do. They know the direction they're supposed to take. I thank you, Lord, that confusion is bound and that they are now on the path of life. You're leading them in the path of righteousness, Father, for your namesake. And the word is a lamp to their feet. You're, you're confirming their word, Father, out of the mouths of two and three witnesses, Father. You're giving them confirmations of what it is that they're to do. And I just declare, Father, in Jesus' name, that, that, um, that they will have the direction they need and they will not, they will, they will not miss it. They will not miss it. I come against the fear of missing it. In Jesus' name. And I declare they're on the right road. They're on the right path. And you're redeeming the time, Father. If they, if they, lost, if they lost some time because they, they were confused for a while or maybe they just were a late bloomer and didn't get started, Father, I just declare you redeem the time. You redeem the time and you make up for lost time, Father. You said the last shall be first. So, you know, Father, it doesn't matter what time we get to the vineyard, we still get paid the same wages. So, Father, we just, we just take thank you for that kingdom principle that says you'll make up whatever, whatever our... Uh, Sometimes our ignorance, whatever, disobedience, whatever it is, Father, you're going to make up for lost time. You recompense whatever the devil stole from us. Whatever time he stole from us, you just give us a twofold recompense for our former shame. And so, Father, I just thank you. This is a new day. I just breathe life into our prayer times. I breathe life into our relationship with you, Father. And I just declare, Lord, that we are obedient sheep. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good sheep, Father, following a good shepherd. And I thank you for those green pastures and the still waters and... I just thank you for all of the promises that go along, Father, with us just as we follow you. Thank you, Father, for that. And we just give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus.
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, it's time for us to close, but I am getting just a word of knowledge for somebody that has a knee problem. Who has a knee problem? Somebody have a hurt knee? Hurt knee. Somebody has a hurt knee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Huh? Heard it hurt everywhere, but okay, I got a specific on your knee there. So um, if we could do this just real quick, maybe Brian and, and Neil and Teresa, maybe you could just um, just go behind her and lay your hand on her knee real quick. Yeah, just real quick. All right. Is it arthritis? Okay. 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 You have a broken foot right now. Okay. All right. Well, let's just lay our hands on her foot and her knee, Neil, and whoever's right there by her, just whoever could do that, all right? Uh, Father, we just speak right now in Jesus' name to this broken bones, and we just command them to be re-fused together, to be healed right now in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I come against pain. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak healing to every muscle, to every ligament, to every tendon, to every nerve. I command that leg to be made sound and whole. In Jesus' name, Father, we just say it like it never happened. Right now, pain you go right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you for restoring her and making her like new right now. That bone and all of that, all parts of that body right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We release the kingdom over her from the head to her toes. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Father. Even ministering angels are here right now, Father, ministering to her. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I speak strength in her body. Strength. (laughs) Soundness. Strength. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now, could you just stand up for me and, and test it out here? As Jesus would say, rise and walk. <laughs> See how you're feeling? How's it feeling? Better? Okay. Well, is it, do, you have a, do you have a, does it physically feel better at all yet? You can tell it. Can you tell a difference is what I'm asking? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Just walk back to the back of the door and walk back. So, you know, Jesus would say, stretch out your hand. He would say, rise and walk. He would say, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest. So thank you, Jesus. Let's just all raise our hands and thank him. Close your eyes and let just thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How's it feeling? Feeling, feeling better? Yeah. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm, I, I'm starting to get words of knowledge, and I know that we've got a break here, but there's one more, <laughs> and it's an ear problem. Who has an ear problem? Who? Did you point at someone, Catherine? Oh. Ear problem? Ear infection? Okay. Nobody? She did? In the back? Okay, well, we can pray for her after. Any kids have ear issues? Any of anybody's kids have ear issues? Any kids? Sydney has an ear issue? Okay. All right. Okay. All right, well, we'll just pray corporately. Father, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name. We just come against ear infections. We come against any kind of ear problems today. And we just lose your, your, the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. In the name of Jesus, we say, ears, you be made whole, healed, perfect. 
in Jesus' name. Father, we forbid right now, in Jesus' name, ear infections. We forbid any kind of that uh, ear, ear problems right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Russell and Catherine will be at the front. Um, one last thing I want to just encourage you to do. Um, don't leave today without prayer from Catherine or Russell if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you don't speak in tongues, that means you. Be very plain about it. If you don't speak in tongues, just get prayer for that today. Or if you've never prayed the prayer to make Jesus Lord of your life. If you don't know if you're born again, if you don't know if you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if some of the stuff I'm talking to you is like this today because you don't know, then I want to give you that opportunity too. So just come up to Catherine and Russell as soon as we break here. Don't leave without it. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Amen? Don't listen to that voice. My voice right now is the voice of the good shepherd. And it says, get prayer. (laughs) All right. God bless you. Have a good day. Amen.